Support for Criminal comes from Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hi, it's Phoebe. One of our favorite things to do is to bring the show out on the road and perform stories live. We've done it for years now, all over the country. It's really just a chance for people to see me screw up reading lines. But we've always thought it was a lot of fun to be able to look out into the audience and see people's reactions to these stories right away. Maybe they're laughing. Maybe they've fallen asleep. Depends on the city. Just kidding. We were planning on going out on a tour right after the coronavirus pandemic began, and we had to cancel that. We hope we'll get back out there to maybe see all of you one day again soon. Until then, we thought we'd bring you one of our favorite stories that we've ever done live. If you like, you can close your eyes and pretend you're in a theater somewhere, looking up at a big screen on stage. On Sunday night, November 22nd, 1987, something very odd happened in the middle of the 9 o'clock news in Chicago. McMahon and McKinnon, 14-0 Bears, then the defense, which hadn't put up a sack in 12 quarters, finally did. Well, if you're wondering what's happened, (laughs) so am I. This is Dan Roan. He was a sportscaster at WGN in Chicago. I was in the middle of a sportscast, and we were talking about the Bears, and all of a sudden, uh, being in studio, we didn't have the off-air feed available. We just had our studio feed. So I was just told in my ear by a producer that we're having some signal difficulties, and we'll get back as soon as we can. So uh, that was a, a little disconcerting at the time. And then they said, well, we're coming back up in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And my reaction was what it was. I said, if you're wondering what happened, so am I. Dan Roan is still the sportscaster at WGN Today. I'm from Chicago and have been seeing him on TV since I was a little girl. WGN is a major network. It used to be owned by the same company that owns the Chicago Tribune. And for a long time, it's where all the Chicago Cubs games were broadcast. It's not some small-time station with a tiny transmitter. And then we were trying to figure out exactly how somebody could get away with this, you know, how somebody could actually physically do it. Uh, They had to be stationed between our broadcast location studio there on Bradley Place in Chicago and our transmitter downtown. Uh, So they had to get 
in between there somehow and break into the signal. Um, I thought the funny thing about it was, as far as I remember, there was only one copy of the actual off-air, and it was immediately locked into the news director's office, into a cabinet, and no one saw it. So I think whatever's out there, uh, YouTube or whatever, is somebody who just happened to be taping the news that night for some reason on a VHS machine, and, and he got what he got. The interruption lasts around 30 seconds. First, the screen goes black. And then after a few seconds, a person appears wearing a brown suit and a black tie. They're wearing a rubber mask, dancing back and forth and nodding their head. In the background, a big piece of what looks like corrugated metal is tilting back and forth. The edges of the video are distorted. The mask that this person is wearing is the face of a fictional character from 1985 named Max Hedrum. Max Hedrum here. Yes, an enormous cost to Cinemax. I really am here. The original Max Talking Hedrum Show. Max Hedrum was a TV talk show host who was supposed to be from our not-so-distant future, a future where the world is run by TV executives, malicious, power-hungry TV executives who make it a crime to turn off your television. When a television news reporter gets into an accident, a hacker rebuilds him as a computer. Max Hedrum, the world's first computer-generated TV host, coming at you from 20 minutes into the future. So, when someone in this Max Hedrum mask actually did come at you, In the middle of the nine o'clock news, fiction and reality merged, and for some viewers, it was terrifying. We're sort of trained as viewers that the only time a TV show is interrupted is because something bad has happened, or is about to. And then, two hours later, on a completely different channel, it happened again, during a broadcast of Doctor Who. You should talk often with the old ones of your tribe. That is the only way to learn. I'll get you a hot drink, miss. Why, oh, don't some dry clothes? He's a freaking man. <laughs> I think I'm better than Chuck's worst Working Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what appears to be the same person, wearing the same suit and mask, comes back onto the screen. But this time, they're talking. The person leans down and picks up a can of Pepsi, then throws it at the camera. Then they start waving their head back and forth before bringing their face right up to the camera lens. Then they start dancing and singing. They keep pointing their finger at the camera. Then they bend over, and it looks like the video cuts to them with their pants pulled down, exposing their rear end. Someone else is on the screen, too. It appears to be a woman with her head out of the frame, and she starts spanking this person with a fly swatter. And then it's over. It lasted just over a minute. As far as I can tell, a massive electric shock, he died instantly. This time it happened on Chicago's WTTW, the PBS station. I got a call from the master control operator that told me that uh, 
they had lost control of the transmitter and someone else was broadcasting on our airways. This is Larry Oker. He wasn't just an engineer at WTTW. He was the engineer in charge of all the engineers. He was at home, not watching television, when his phone rang. Uh, they had control of everything. We couldn't even turn the transmitter off. We couldn't do anything until they went off the air. It was <laughs> loss of complete control. I mean, I can think of the different kind of nightmare calls that uh, engineers would get. But if someone calling saying, we've lost control, <laughs> it's about as bad as it gets, huh? It's about as bad as it gets. It's, uh, it's terrible. You, you, you can't turn it off. You can't turn it on. You can't do anything. You, they can put every, anything they want on the air. When I saw the video of it, I kept thinking to myself, this seems like a dream. Yes, sort of like a dream. Yes, of how, how dreams are fuzzy and you really don't think you're, you're, you're watching what you're watching. It's uh, sort of like a dream. It was shortly after 6 o'clock, somewhere between 6 and 7, when he came in and informed me what had taken place overnight. This is Al Skirkowitz. He was a broadcast engineer for WTTW for 40 years. Larry Oker was his boss. He had just arrived at work when Larry told him the news. For a broadcast operation to be interjected that way, it's a serious um, invasion. It's like somebody breaking into your house. It interrupts your air, and you're very proud of the quality of your air signal and the programmings that you actually broadcast. So to have somebody take that over from you uh, became sort of personal for every one of our, our uh, engineering staff. Al Skirkowitz says he knew exactly who Max Hedrum was when he heard about it, and that it's kind of funny that the person in the video was throwing cans of Pepsi, not Coke. At the time, this was in 1987, uh, Max Hedrum was a character that was supposed to be the very first virtual person, and it was used for a Coke ad campaign. And so he had this kind of straight-up hair that was um, not really hair. You know, he, he looked like it was a cartoon character of sorts, but it was a popular campaign for Coke at the time. And so that made it possible for people to buy Max Headroom masks for Halloween, for instance. So you could go to any Halloween store and pick up one of these Max Headroom masks that would slip over your head. So he's pre, he was pre, this, this image was pretty well known. Yes, it was. The hack was major news in Chicago. The Chicago Tribune described it as evidently the work of a sophisticated video pirate with an unsophisticated sense of humor. News stations interviewed people who'd seen the incidents live on their televisions. One man said, I got so upset that I wanted to bust the TV set. Another man said that whoever did this just wanted attention and that the interruption was like throwing a brick through a window. A young boy simply said, it was very, very funny. And then the next evening I'm in the office and we've got uh, CBS National News on and there I am. Dan Roan. On a national news broadcast, they're doing a big piece on this thing. And I thought, well, wow, maybe it is a little bit more serious. And it was my understanding that the FCC took it very seriously, and the the government uh, did all they could to find out who did it and have yet to been able to, uh, to crack the case. It's one of the most bizarre crimes in TV history, one with no discernible means, motive, or opportunity. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. Criminal. 
thanks to Progressive for their support. While you're listening to the show, maybe you're also doing something else. Driving, dishes, folding laundry. I listen when I go on walks. If you're not currently driving a car, you could also be getting an auto quote from Progressive Insurance. Save money right now from your phone. Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Discounts for having multiple vehicles on your policy, being a homeowner, and more. Progressive will be with you 24-7, 365 days a year, so you're protected no matter what. You can get a quote for your car insurance at Progressive.com to join over the 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Support for Criminal comes from Factor. After a long day at work, sometimes the most convenient dinner option is ordering takeout. But if you make a habit of it, it can get pricey. Factor offers restaurant-quality, ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your doorstep. Factor's meals are both nutritious and tasty, and you can choose from more than 35 different options weekly. They have a variety of meal types to fit your needs, too, like keto, calorie-smart, vegan, and veggie, and more, with plenty of delicious add-ons also. I've tried Factor meals myself. Lately, I've enjoyed their shredded chicken taco bowl and Thai-roasted vegetable green curry. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. You can also pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash Phoebe50 and use code Phoebe50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code Phoebe50 at factormeals.com slash Phoebe50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. The Chicago Sun-Times published an article with the headline, Two Channels Interrupted to the Max. It quoted an FCC spokesperson who said that whoever was involved could face up to $100,000 in fines and a year in jail, and that additional federal obscenity charges could also be brought by the U.S. Attorney's Office. It was a serious crime. Pretend that I'm uh, five years old. Right. What What were they actually doing in order to interrupt this signal? They were. They probably what they did was they had a a, um, a portable transmitter they would use in news gathering. Had a, probably a two foot diameter parabolic antenna on it, and they were just pointing it at Sears Tower, and that you could tell if you was in the business where the transmitters were, where the antennas were on top of Sears Tower. So they could pre-aim it and during the day, even though this was at night, and aim it at Sears Tower, they would probably pick up or probably intercept our signal. Were any of you looking at each other at TTW saying, well, I, I've always thought he was a little sketchy. Was there any internal thought that maybe it was one of you? Um, of course, you know, that that's the kind of thing that would, would jump into your head, but the penalty that would be levied should somebody actually be found out by the FCC would mean immediate dismissal from the station, certainly an impossible task to be hired within the broadcast community ever again. So the weight of 
the violation would have been an extreme for any of the people that worked at either our station or at WGN. And we took an extreme amount of pride in our capabilities, in our air signal, in the station that we worked for. It, you know, it, we look back at it now and kind of laugh from time to time, um, but at the time, it was like we had had a home invasion. Uh, it makes you suspect everybody that you talk to. It makes you think that it might happen again at any point in time. Al Skirkowitz says that the day after the broadcast intrusion, he had had discussions with his union, with maintenance staff, and with the director of engineering. Everyone was talking about it. He says that by 9 a.m., they had sent the first record of complaint to the Federal Communications Commission. I've investigated things from stuck radio microphones on vessels to uh, people intentionally jamming the police and swearing at them, you know, with stolen or police radios or uh, clock radios that accidentally generate a, a signal that interferes with something else nearby. This is Jim Higgins. He was working at the FCC when the Max Hedrum incident happened. I was working on various things, inspecting television stations, special projects, studying interference to the Voice of America, and the Max Hedrum incident popped up. Jim Higgins was assigned to the Max Hedrum case because he had worked on a similar incident that happened the year before. This hacker called himself Captain Midnight. On April 27, 1986, someone took over HBO. This is a little worse than bothering a couple of stations in Chicago. He transmitted uh, to a satellite in uh, geostationary orbit uh, over the top of an HBO signal. HBO was uplinking a movie at the time, um, The Falcon and the Snowman, as a matter of fact, and turned on his transmitter and... Uh, pointed it at HBO's satellite, and uh, this person put up a message, a text message. It said, Good evening, HBO, from Captain Midnight. Twelve ninety-five a month? No way. Showtime, movie channel, beware. HBO had recently announced that they would start charging people twelve ninety-five a month for the service. Previously, if you had a satellite dish in your backyard, you could just aim it up at HBO Signal and get it for free. A man named John McDougall decided that he was going to try and do something about it. He sold backyard dishes on the side. Hmm. So, so he was a backyard dish dealer, and his motive obviously was um, if people, if HBO scrambled and people had to pay a monthly fee to get it, then maybe his dish business wouldn't do so well. So. McDougall was arrested and charged with illegally operating a satellite uplink transmitter. He accepted a plea deal and was put on probation for a year and fined $5,000. That year, Congress passed something called the Electronic Communications Privacy Act of 1986. It contained a provision that made satellite hijacking a felony. The Max Hedrum incident, which occurred just one year later, didn't involve satellite hijacking, but it did result in airwaves being taken over, and it did scare people. The FCC and FBI both investigated the Max Hedrum incident, but could find no leads on who could have done this or why. 
Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. So the Max Hedrum incident was never solved. That's uh, correct. You know, the, the FCC had some ideas of a couple of people that might have been involved, but uh, never enough evidence to, uh, to pin it on anybody. Jim Higgins and Al Skirkowitz both think that the person who did this had to have been an engineer with the knowledge to have set something like this up. Jim Higgins thinks that they must have been proud of their work and that it pops up every once in a while online because they want to remind people of what they pulled off. In my view, those people who continue to bring it up and ask questions about it and and post questions about it were either involved or know who was involved in uh, the incident. Right? Does the, the criminals always, you know, they're proud of their achievement. So they don't always, want it, you know, they don't want it to go away. They want people to remember this. Perhaps. That's that's my theory anyway. So uh, maybe someday someone will make an admission, but uh, but for now we don't know. Al Skirkowitz thinks it was probably just a dumb prank. My real suspicion is uh, this was not a vicious intentional act. It was the act of a couple of people drinking beer in the back of somebody's garage going, you know, if we could do this, um, I've got this piece of equipment over there, and I know this guy's got a dish over here, and maybe uh, for a case of beer we can get this all together and do something. That's the way I think it really happened. There's one place where it's still being actively investigated. Reddit. There are lots of theories. One of them, called the J&K theory, comes from a user who says that when he was 13, he was friends with some local hackers and overheard two brothers, who he calls J&K, talking about something big. They then told him to watch WTTW later that night. Another theory says that it was most likely a person who had ties to the local Chicago broadcast community. This is also WTTW engineer Larry Oker's theory. He says it had to be an inside job. Only a TV engineer would have that kind of know-how. And Larry says engineers can be grumpy. It makes me think that everybody in their own position and own profession has the ability to... um, become a menace, right? <laughs> right. I mean, in yes. some way. Yes, right. If you're a painter, you throw the wrong color paint all over the house. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, engineer, you say, screw it. I'm t- you know, taking over the airwaves. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have yeah. the ability to shake things up. I don't think it was meant to be essentially bad or a, really a criminal act, but it was just saying, I'll show you what I can do. And that's what they did. There's evidence to back up Larry Oker's theory. Although the voice in the video is heavily distorted, you can hear it say the name Chuck Swirsky. Chuck Swirsky was Dan Rohn's colleague at WGN. You can also hear the voice say, I just made a giant masterpiece for all the greatest world newspaper nerds. This is very likely a reference to the Chicago Tribune, 
Their slogan is world's greatest newspaper. That's how WGN got its name. On the other hand, the person in the video also seems to be referencing cartoons and hemorrhoids and the temptations, so who can say? Whatever this person was trying to say, it can't be a coincidence that they're wearing a Max Hedrum mask. In Max Hedrum's world, a broadcast signal intrusion is punishable by death. We called Matt Frewer, the actor who played Max Hedrum. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Frewer, and uh, I played a character called Max Hedrum uh, back in the 80s. You might remember him as the next-door neighbor in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, or Dr. Leakey on Orphan Black. We wanted his take on the Max Hedrum incident. After all, it is his face. It was very surreal and uh, flattering, and in a way kind of expected, uh, you know, that Max being the subversive character that he was, and he was born of a hacker, why not, you know, and a hacker would use him in, uh, in a subversive way, and, and uh, yeah, and in a lot of ways, it was very flattering, because Max himself is kind of the ultimate satire, because he's Mr. TV, he's on a TV, and it's about a TV network, so I guess it makes perfect sense that he would be used as a, <laughs> a, a tool of something subversive, you know. When you read through all the theories on Reddit and other places online, you sort of get the impression that if we did figure out who did this and why, the videos would lose their power. Maybe we don't want it to just be a guy with a grudge or some kids screwing around. Nothing fascinates us like an unsolved case, especially one coming from 20 minutes into the future. Criminal is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson and Aaron Wade. Audio mix by Rob Byers. Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode of Criminal. You can see them at thisiscriminal.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Criminal Show. Criminal is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a collection of the best podcasts around. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. Thanks to Progressive for their support. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.